I'm Adnan Mahmutovic, and this is Love and Its Discontents podcast. It is a great pleasure to welcome Dr. Selene Ibrahim, uh, who is a scholar in religious studies with a focus on Islamic intellectual history. She has written on Islamic theology, Islamic family law, women's spiritual care, and pedagogies for interreligious studies. Her major works are Women and Gender in the Quran and Islam and Monotheism. Salim, welcome to Love and His Discontents. It's uh, great to have you here. It's a pleasure to be with you, Adnan. Um, so let's start. As a, today's theme is love in Islam. Uh, and uh, we'll, of course, start with uh, the Quran, uh, the, uh, the main source of uh, Islam. But we can also dabble into uh, the Hadith, the history, uh, the Sirah, uh, the biography of the Prophet, and, and so on. But we'll start with uh, the, the Quran and see what is love in Quran. So I wonder if you could begin with that, you know, the definitions or... or uh, what, what is what is love in the Quran? Does it have a concept of love, and how does it define it? I think we really have to start with the conception of God, of Allah, as the lover. And one of the ninety-nine names of God, or there's actually more than ninety-nine names that are mentioned in in the tradition, but of those is a name Al Wadud, and the God is the lover, uh, Al Wadud is the concept of some principle that of, of the God that is close to the human being. And so the Qur'an talks about Allah, talks about God as being a <laughs> closer to the human being than the jugular vein. And so the Muslims have never understood God to occupy a, to be limited in, in a particular space. Or, and, and so we don't, it's a little bit of a, a mystery. We can just say, you know, God is close. God is qarib. Uh, and so God's love then is something that the, the human being experiences in, in um, a, 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 an experiential state, but we don't always have uh, words for, for what, this, what this experiential state uh, feels like, and so that's where the mystic writers take over and, you know, use metaphors and language and, and the like to capture what is this like to experience God as the lover. Now, the word Arabic in Arabic, el wadud, has the connotation of being a friend as well, so a loving friend, and the concept of a friend is someone who will you know, protect you, watch out for you. And so many of the other names of God that have to do with, with protection can also, we can see a part of this loving quality. There's also names that have to do with grace and mercy. And, and so in, in, in Islamic understanding of God, all of human creation is in some way receiving the mercy of, of God by virtue of being able to breathe or by virtue of experiencing the sunlight. Or, or So we, we don't restrict the, the quality of God's mercy to specific people. Some people may receive more or less mercy depending on their internal disposition. But we would say that certain people, based on their qualities or actions, and the, the Qur'an 
goes into depth and what are the characteristics of a person who might experience God's love in this in this way of being el wadud like the the lover in this um in this sense of a loving loving presence that's closer to us than we could possibly fathom so that's some of the ways in which we think of God as the lover and then the 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 Quranic stories some of them relate to a the profound relationship that human beings can experience with one another and in many ways the experience that human beings feel of love is part of the ways a part of the way that we can understand what it means to experience divine love so we have you know love as a mother for children love as a as a a parent for for children or love as a caretaker for children we have you know our our spousal love we have so we can understand we can understand we can begin let's say to understand what that means on a on a cosmic scale to say god is the ultimate lover the source the source of of uh, all love of love we don't say in in or at least i haven't heard it as much that that god is love in the same way there's verses of the quran that say allah nuru samawati wal ard god is the light of the heavens and the earth and we can ask well we know that light is an actual physical particle and we don't confine in an islamic understanding we don't confine god to a physical particle so you know what does that mean that god is the light of the heavens and the earth we understand it means something about the the properties of light that mean illumination or but these are you know, we we don't we're creatures that are based in time and space and uh, so our our understanding of how how Allah how God embodies properties are are a bit beyond at least for my my understanding and we we say that certain people do have openings and they do have direct experience of of what what this means to to have god as the all loving yeah. uh, i've always loved this um, uh, idea of uh, god being closer to you than your jugular vein and uh, and there is that the comparative closer uh, mm-hmm. uh, rather than as close as but closer and so uh, uh, and and that means so so we have this um, well a physical attribute uh, they say well there is something physical uh, but here you immediately uh, understand that this is a different kind of closeness uh, and uh, and in a sense you know that love is defined through that closeness that something someone or something is. Uh, is near you, uh, always there, always present, uh, uh, loving, caring, and, and so on. So the, uh, that kind of, uh, it's n- never far. Yeah? So, mm-hmm. so I think that that kind of uh, intimacy is, uh, is really absolutely amazing uh, in, in, in that entire context. I love I that just, you... St- I've uh, go ahead. I've often spoken to people who don't know that much about Islam, and when I start to explain... The, the loving quality that, that Allah speaks about in these terms, as I just have, people are often surprised that that concept is is in Islam, right? So you start to, to the, the public perception, particularly in non-Muslim countries, is not that there would be 
this this conception. But we don't, you know, coming just a minute, well, if we do comparison, if we're thinking about Christian theology, the way that God's love is is explained there often has to do with Trinitarian thinking. And, you know, God so loved the world that, um, that you know, God experienced uh, hum- human suffering here. And so we don't, we don't say that that God has to experience human suffering to really understand, you know, what what our states are. We say Allah created us in our in, in all of our states, and so there's there wouldn't be that need for kind of solidarity through God's physical embodiment in a person in in the world. All that becomes unnecessary when you have a a very profound you know, radical idea of of proximity. Uh, indeed, especially because it is uh, this idea of uh, the, the absolute lack of the intermediary, mm-hmm. uh, or, or, uh, this kind of absolute kind of radical intimacy that is given everyone equally. Uh, so uh, you, you mentioned earlier, okay, yeah, there is this uh, sense of... Uh, I mean, what we learned that, you know, God loved some um, um, of the, his devout uh, servants, uh, prophets, and so on, uh, in, in a different way. So there's almost like a distinction between God loving every everything, all creation equally, uh, having this absolute proximity to everything, and then this, this other thing that, you know, loving, for instance, uh, the prophets or, you know, some devout people and so on. It's it's a different kind. Of, we can talk about that. But just that kind of lack of anything, the barrier between God and, and creation uh, uh, is in itself really quite stunning when it comes uh, to love. And, of uh, course, the Qur'an also lays out categories and says God does not love. And love yes, in there is that too. Of, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, of uh, being accessible, perhaps, mm-hmm. we, we could say to people, unless there's always the possibility for repentance in, in Islam, mm-hmm. as long as a person is alive, they can go through a process of repentance. And really, what what repentance is in Islam is that idea of turning, what are you you're turning, you're, you're turning towards you know, righteousness, turning towards relationship, turning towards a sense of longing, a sense of desire. So then repentance in a way is letting the intrinsic love that human beings actually also express for for the divine, letting that come through. So we could even say that that's the purpose of of human life, to keep re-remembering that that longing that that we have inside by by virtue of being having a, a, a proximity and then being put in the worlds where we, we do have choice and we can choose to experience the proximity or choose to turn away from the proximity. So then the more we turn back of our own kind of will, you know, with, with the what, what Christians would call the grace of, you know, with the grace of, of the benefit of, of God, like we can't do actions. And I can't have breath without every moment, that breath being a part of, Allah's mercy upon upon us. So there's a, an interesting way in which we're free to love. Uh, and even when we, we think about then the terms of the way love is, is expressed in, in other areas of Islam, even in the law, you can't 
force a person to love. So a spouse cannot be forced to love another spouse, right? Like this is, it's just an, it's an intrinsic feeling that, that is either there or that is developed. And, and so it's a, an essential, our ability to love or to not love, it's, it, that's like an essential part of our, our freedom. And ideally, we would choose to love because that that's what live you know love is what liberates essentially um, but yeah it is it, we, you know we have as much as the divine uh, does or does not love any specific human based on you know their their actions and dispositions and states then we also do or do not express this sort of authentic um, capacity for love how would you distinguish between these um uh, as you said, you know, the, in the Quran, there are these verses, these ayahs where uh, it says God doesn't love this or that, or God doesn't love those who are uh, corrupt, who are and, corrupt uh, not haughty, and uh, mm-hmm. those who, uh, you know, kill. Or, you know, there are these things which are mentioned, like God doesn't love that. You know? mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, how would you... Uh, explain the difference between this um, this kind of first the basic love to all creatures uh, so to everything all creation and that kind of is it is it different in in character is it different in nature or is it uh, is it something else uh, that um, that you know that other kind of love or where, where, where God loves or doesn't love something and mm-hmm. as different from this just God loves everything yeah, so we're we're cautious in Islam about making metaphors to understand some aspect of of the divine, but sometimes they're they're a bit helpful. And so I'm I'm a teacher and I have students and I try to extend the same grace and um you know opportunity for relationship to all of my students, but you know then there's the one or the two that stay back and ask the extra questions and have an authentic love of learning and you know and you can't help but but appreciate those particular students in a unique way because their their effort matches your hope for them and so sometimes when i'm thinking about you know what does it mean that allah's love is for for everything in 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 creation but that there's a special opportunity, right? I think of I, I think of that type of relationship, right? Like who's who's really striving, who is really has an authentic desire, and you know sometimes as a as a teacher, you love the student that is struggling, 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 and just right does not ever seem to really arrive there you have a, a particular love for for that student and then there's a love for the student that is just so sharp you you want to say you could be teaching the class right so there's there's a different type of of disposition that the teacher has based on the innate capacities of of the different students so i often think about that that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives different people uh you know diff- different qualities, and some some people Allah Allah draw near to Allah, Allah you know receive the love of Allah because they're because they benefit people because they're so generous. You know, the, a good sign for you know a good sign for sort of how how we're doing on on the scales is is how 
you know, do we express love for for the people and an unconditional type love, a love where we're not expecting in return particular favors or we're not loving for the sake of having the, the love uh, returned in the form of adoration. And, and the Prophet them, peace and blessings be upon him, he has a hadith that I often go back to. So, no, no one of you has this true like trust or this faith Right? So none of you truly has this faith, this core principle that we're striving for as Muslims, until that person loves for their brother, their sibling, what they love for themselves. This is a radical principle you find in, in, in many religious traditions, many philosophical, moral traditions. But to live into that is very, very yeah. hard. Yes, and and that's the calling. Yes, that is that is the path. Uh, that's uh, that is the goal. Uh, it, it's uh, almost as if uh, there is a source, there is uh, a spring, and, and it's always kind of the, the, trying to tap into that spring uh, of love. Uh, so, uh, so I get a sense that uh, the that uh, this kind of moving away from your, your own, as you said, um, deliberate or, um, you know, just like it, turning away from uh, from this grounding basic love is what makes us experience this other uh, relational kind of love, perhaps, uh, where, the, where it's, uh, it seems conditional, uh, uh, as uh, as opposed to the, this kind of really unconditional uh, grounding love, uh, like, but at the same time, um, uh, it is that as you said, I, I actually love your metaphor. Of course, as a teacher, I recognize myself in that, uh, and uh, and you, there is a, a sense that of course you care for everyone. Uh, you love everyone, and in fact, you do it from the first moment. It's not like you necessarily have to learn uh, about the students. You know, you have to kind of get to know them too well, and it's like it's a, it's that kind of primary condition, right, mm -hmm. of you entering the classroom. And then there are these relational kinds of uh, colored uh, love relations and so on that uh, arise with time and that develop with time. Mm. So mm -hmm. I don't think it's wrong to, to use metaphors, but of course we are cautious with, uh, with that. Mm -hmm. I'm also thinking of the way in which we can express love between friends in terms of saying, mm -hmm. I love you for the sake of Allah, right? Yeah. And then that's that's a way of expressing, you know, I, I love you without any need for love in return. Although, sort of, I know that you love me back, right? So, so it it's a it's a way to express, I suppose, you know, that that you've cultivated your heart to be able to give and receive love in in a profound and and free manner uh, but then we're also able as human beings to say i do not love i do not love this i do not love corruption i do not love um arrogant uh, those who walk arrogantly on the earth or so we, we can taking that the same once we know what allah loves and what allah doesn't love that helps color our own experiences of what what we love and what we don't love 
Yeah. Can I ask you, so this is kind of related to one of the stories from the Quran, which I think we could maybe use to explain this a little bit more. So sometimes when I teach the course that I call Love and His Discontents, and and here this question is related to this freedom of, you know, the choice to love or not to love. Mm-hmm. Because for me, that's always a question, is it a choice or... Where does it come from? Eh? Mm-hmm. Uh, do I choose or do I not choose? Is it is love fate? And sometimes what I do with the uh, students is I have this little play uh, where I uh, where I choose someone randomly, uh, and I say, okay, you're going to be my favorite this term. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so like like on the basis of what what have I done like you know so it, it creates this interesting situation right of favoritism and why do you love someone more than someone else so mm-hmm. love is to be kind of to love someone is to select them uh, above everyone else uh, to, to, to uh, single them out and say okay well I I think my wife wouldn't like me to say, "Oh, I love all women equally," and I don't mm-hmm. she, think mm-hmm. she would appreciate that, even as a kind of a loving principle. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking of the story of um, just generally the stories of prophets as, as chosen ones, uh, but for instance, the story of Joseph, mm-hmm. who is uh, singled out by his father. As the most beloved, he's singled out by God, uh, and then and so on his entire life. Yeah, no. mm-hmm. uh, and uh, there, there is that sense of okay, well, why is he chosen to be the most the, the beloved? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, what has he done? Uh, so, is it unconditional or other conditions? Is it um, you know, what is the free the choice of uh, of me choosing you know to love someone, or is it fate? You know? Yeah, so this, this is interesting. Another way it comes up in the Quran. We'll get, I think we'll get back to the, the, the Joseph story. I think we have to unpack a few sure. things. Uh, sure, absolutely. Yeah. That, so we do have a, a, a case of plural marriage that men are permitted in certain circumstances yeah. to take more wives, right? And then the, the Quran also says, you must be just and to, to all of them, and then you'll never be able to, to do it. Yeah. And the commentators, right, they say, why why is Allah telling us it's permissible you you have to have the standard of yeah. of egalitarianism but you're going to fail at this and yes, it, yes, yeah. you can't, right you can't necessarily control you know you can you can strive with maybe material things house to house car car but that expression you know you you, you can't always uh, con- control that but the the heart is well so Allah, Allah says in the Quran that perhaps you know you like people love love a thing and it's bad for them as well. So we can also we can also love in in ways we can love things that are bad for us. Love of money, love of the the ego, this you know the, the the ego self, love of you know any number of these things that are distractions from the good love. So there's also a training that is happening. Right, so there's a there's an idea. What do I love? It's it's this sense of what, what we could call marakiba, like observing the you know observing your own psychology and saying what do I love and is that good for me? Kind of it, from an Islamic moral framework, uh, but it also the you know the Quran says you know perhaps you hate a thing and it's good for you, right? So okay, well what do I what do I dislike? What and and you know how can I train myself to really 
love this thing because I realize that it's good for me. You know, and so, so perhaps we, you know, as I'm, I'm just thinking as parents, uh, I only have one child, so I've never experienced this dilemma of, of having to, to think about uh, expressing love, you know, equally to, to children. But, you know, ideally you, you don't, uh, you can't control maybe what your heart feels. You know, mom likes this child a little better. You find a little proximity with, with uh, you know, someone else to this child. But the, you still strive to express the fullness of your love to, to ideally, right, all, all of your children. I mean, they're, they're uh, but again, right, we, we can, we have to train the heart to feel in particular ways and and remove the the blocks that are there so maybe maybe a, a parent doesn't like a child because they remind the parent of themselves like some quality in themselves that they don't like right so maybe in order to fully purely express love to that child the parent has to do work on their their own yeah so and, and i mean to tie it back then to the to the use of story uh you know, Allah chooses certain people and puts Allah's love, like mahabba, um, this like love, like um, property of love, into some people. So in in the Quran, when when Pharaoh agrees to with his his wife to adopt baby Musa, you know, some of the commentators say, well, that's because Allah has you know it says in the Quran um, that that his Allah has cast his love upon Musa, which explains why this horrible tyrant agrees to, to have you know, the baby in his, his house, which is ultimately his undoing. And, and so we can't say, you know, we can't exactly understand from, from the Yusuf story, you know, why, why Yusuf? Uh, but it could be that, you know, he has, as some people do, some charisma that that is from Allah that that makes him that endears him to the heart of of Yaqub. Indeed because there is that sense uh, it seems to me especially in the scene where uh, he is uh, so attractive to all these women uh, in in town uh, almost irresistible and who see him as an angel that it's uh, it's not a matter of physical beauty it is this kind of proximity to God that he has in him uh, that, that is attractive that is appealing to people that people recognize even without knowing it uh, so I make an uh, argument in my book and people uh-huh. have have taken issue with it I make the connection between ihsan meaning excellence in, in Islam you know, coming from the root husan, hasin noon, for those who are, who know Arabic, that that means beauty both in a physical sense and also, you know, in in this other sense. And so I make an argument in my book that the the Quran, when it talks about women, is talking when it says, for instance, Maryam, um, Mary, the mother of of Jesus. When she's, when Allah speaks about her growing up, He says we raised her in a beautiful way, and stresses, in in more than one instance, this idea of of beauty as it relates to, to Maryam, peace be upon her, and so I, I make the argument that that when uh, in verses where the the Prophet, peace be peace and blessings be upon him, where Allah speaks about him being 
attracted to this quality in in women, then you know is that is that a physical beauty? Is that this idea of beauty as ihsan, as character excellence? And I talk about the way in which the, the Quran, Allah says in the Quran that you know it outlines the qualities of a good spouse, and all of those are are virtues, pious virtues. Right? It never it never says you know particular physical features that that make a good spouse. Uh, but some sometimes when people read my book, they don't understand necessarily what I'm doing there. I'm not trying to say that you know spouses cannot experience a a physical sense of desire for one another or find people physically attractive. And and um, you know certainly the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, peace and blessings be upon him, was a full human being. Right? <laughs> That's not up for conversation as them. So of course, of course he would experience aesthetic beauty but i think that i think that in a society where especially women's um physical uh looking is physical appearance is oftentimes the way in which they're given value like the primary driving way to assign value to women their attractiveness in, um, to men or um, in general. And so I think it's very radical that the, the Quran de-emphasizes physical beauty, physical attributes in favor of character attributes. Mm. Yeah, that, the, uh, I, I, I would absolutely agree with you. There is this, uh, the, the play between the surface and the depth, uh, the aesthetic qualities you're drawn to. Of course, you have that. It's, uh, and we have from our tradition the examples of uh, you know, that kind of attraction being actually also emphasized that, that uh, you know, that I think there is a hadith where the Prophet Sallallahu uh, Alaihi Wasallam recommends that someone actually sees someone or meets someone and, uh, you know, to, to actually see if that, yeah, that, that kind of attraction exists uh, as well as this uh, other one. So, I mean, we are human beings, as you say, uh, mm -hmm. uh, but there is this uh, uh, idea that uh, this ihsan is what lasts. This, if love is based on that, it, then it's the kind of love that lasts mm -hmm. longer uh, or it is the, the, the permanent kind of love uh, because then it's not easy to, to destroy it uh, or, or ruin it, you know, if... Uh, Almost kind of going back to you know the Jane Eyre and when Mr. Rochester is disfigured, she continues loving him, uh, mm -hmm. even though he is uh, physically changed. He's no longer attractive. Yeah. Um, I mean that's particularly uh, important I, I, yeah. in terms of human human relationships of romantic love, right? Because if yes. you yeah. if you if you don't experience love for mm -hmm. the qualities or the character of a person mm. well you know we age very quickly yes. as human beings so <laughs> yeah indeed indeed it just strikes me now uh, the popular culture is so full of this emphasis on uh, uh, on the aesthetic equality like if you watch a lot of these um, uh, series of, uh, of films you know Hollywood films with um, you know high school kids and so on there's usually this 
a principle of attraction, like who is supposed to be attracted to who and why, and everything else is an aberration. So if the cheerleader is, I don't know, uh, attracted to, to some geek, that's an aberration mm -hmm. because she's supposed to be into the... Um, the uh, you know football uh, you know mm -hmm. uh, guy or whatever you know mm -hmm. um, so so this uh, this is really essential I I um, I'm thinking like um, the when it comes to uh, loving spouses and the, this this is what you said it was emphasized in um, uh, in the Quran uh, I'm thinking like the different words for love. Uh, mm -hmm. And you mentioned uh, Wid uh, or Wadud as uh, the uh, one of the names of uh, God, uh, and there is of course this this word Rahma, uh, uh, mercy. Uh, you mentioned mercy earlier, and it's always kind of connected uh, to to that. Uh, and I'm, I'm thinking Rahma as mercy, uh, as love, uh, is mentioned both in terms of God uh, and. Uh, mothers uh, and parents and their children and us teachers, of course, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and spouses. Mm -hmm. right? So the spouses are. Uh, it, it, I think the ayah doesn't say love uh, as hub, but rather rahma. Uh, if correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so one yeah. of the verses of of the Quran talks about love, and we could say. Maybe loving compassion as a translation for rahma potentially. Mercy is a is an easy one, but I think sometimes with with mercy, uh, the idea that comes to mind uh, in English at least is someone you know, like begging for mercy. Uh, so I sometimes loving compassion helps people get more of the idea that I think Muslims intrinsically feel from from the word rahim. Uh, you know, also meaning of course womb. So there's the there's a the manifestation, one of them of Allah's mercy in the world, is the, the properties of the womb that just you know gives of the mother's nutrition that surrounds and secures the the, the baby that you know gives it the baby sustenance. So all of these things are part of of the idea of of rahma. I named my daughter Rahma. So uh, oh, you did. Oh, that's amazing. Yes. Oh, that's mashallah. That's uh, that's beautiful. Uh, and, and thinking of this, especially because, as you as you said, it's uh, it it is translated as mercy, uh, but it seems to me wrong because it's a deeper, much deeper kind of relationship. Uh, especially, it, it seems to me related to what you uh, highlighted earlier: this proximity. Because in the womb, the child mm -hmm. is. That's the closest proximity that it can have to, uh, to, to its mother, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that physically uh, shows you know, how, uh, what it's like or what, the, what it means. So that's why I'm kind of curious, why would the, uh, this um, relationship to, um, between spouses, which is also, uh, at, at least in part, erotic, course, uh, sexual and so on, mm -hmm. why would that be an, uh, at the core yeah, idea or the mm -hmm. core kind of love? Yeah. yeah, so the other word is mawadda, coming from the, the same root as God is the wadud, so mawadda, rahma and mawadda. And so you have kind of two words that have some overlapping meanings, but I think the, the word mawadda is 
has to do with that sense of companionship that we were talking about in in the beginning. You know, do you enjoy being in one another's presence? You not just in 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 the sense of physical intimacy, but you enjoy enjoy just you know having a cup of coffee together, or you know sitting on the couch and you're reading different books, but you enjoy that that proximity. So you know, hopefully that's the relationship. I, ideally, there's you know there's all kinds of complicated relationships between spouses. There's a a monetary one where there's an exchange of sort of providing and and um, care. You know, there's a there's a caretaking one, you know, physically caretaking for for each other in, in different ways according to different life stations. But then there's just that. Just hanging, just hanging out, right? Just and hanging that, out, yes. Yeah, and like hopefully yeah. you enjoy with your spouse just hanging out. Yes. Absolutely. And in fact, this uh, this is so beautiful because it reminds me of uh, the um, the first episode of the podcast where I uh, talked with um, uh, Dr. Lu- Lucy Dernin uh, about uh, a short story by Raymond Carver. Uh, I don't think anyone has ever spoken about Raymond Carver in connection to Islam, but this is going to be different. Uh, so in this uh, this short story called uh, What We Talk About When We Talk About Love, uh, he uh, speaks of this couple and uh, he says something along the lines of, um, in addition to being in love, we also like each other and enjoy uh, each other's company. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, for me, that was really interesting. Like in a sense, it, it almost implies that you could be in love with each other without liking each other mm-hmm. or enjoying each other's company. You know, mm-hmm. th- it doesn't go uh, automatically. It doesn't follow mm-hmm. automatically. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's that's quite amazing. This um, uh, just the idea that that same word, which seems to me almost all-encompassing connects all these different kinds of relationships as, uh, as a kind of common ground. Uh, and then we have these, uh, these other um, uh, manifestations or different uh, ways of uh, approaching it. Yeah, I want to hone in on something you said there, because I think there's a wisdom. In, in Islam, we're not physically intimate with another human being until there's a recognized relationship of some type of commitment where there's a recognition of other dimensions of care and reciprocal rights and responsibilities and and I think what you've point what you've sort of pointed to is part of the wisdom behind that is because it's it's perfectly plausible that one could be physically attracted but not really care for for that person and so when we're emphasizing when we're emphasizing sexual intimacy, for instance, within certain bonds, we're, we're saying that the, the physical dimensions of longing and desire should be expressed within other types of relationships of care. And, and so I think that's the, that's the sort of wisdom of, of requiring, because otherwise people can just be exploited or just, just be used um, for for their physical properties, rather than the whole of their their being, the whole of of their um, you know human dignity, and that is a form of reduction of the human being of of you as as you, and that, that in a sense that's. 
that, that there cannot be a law because it's a reduction of you. Then you don't love that that person. Or this, it, it, it cannot, love always seems to me related to all the qualities. Even the qualities, as you said earlier, you know, some things you hate. Maybe you hate it in your children or, or, or in yourself. You know, sometimes you hate some of your own qualities because they remind you of something, right? Uh, and uh, uh, But then, as you said, it's... It, it could be good for you and you need to learn why, why am I hating this or why am I loving this? Uh, could it be that I'm miscalculating, am, am I having a wrong notion of what love is and uh, I'm getting closer to that which reduces me rather than that which expands me or, or makes me whole? Mm. Mm. Yeah. And it's also a, a deep question about the the purpose of of life as well, right? Because we tend to love things that are potentially ephemeral, that don't give us a, a lasting sense of human fullness, or we spend a lot of time loving, chasing, desiring things that turn out when we get them to not be as satisfying as we imagined that they would be. And so, you know, from a, from the mystic's point of view, the, the only real object of desire that fully you know, satiates the, the desire is, is in fact, you know, the, the love of the divine. So that's, you know, that's the sort of the life, life purpose. And, but you can express love of the divine through for enacting responsibilities in the world, through expressing love in the world. So that, that becomes, you know, your, your love in a, you know, in a beautified sense for, for the spouse then becomes a way to access higher higher levels um, of of the, the divine love, where we started you know, talk, talking about at the beginning. How do you interpret the uh, notion that uh, that even uh, making love to your spouse uh, can be ibadah or yes, I know it's so <laughs> profound, right? I, I wonder yeah. if we should just explain that a little bit. So please, that please really, explain it. Really, otherwise, otherwise, people will say. I'm, crazy. <laughs> yes. So, so the Prophet وسلم, taught that, that, um, you know, this relationship of physical intimacy with, between spouses when done with intention, right? Intention is the, the basis of, of ibadah, of worship. And so when, when we think about ibadah, we think, you know, in an English sense, we say worship, it's hard. It's not, it's, it's yeah. just doesn't capture the word. It doesn't, so, no. Yeah. And, and abd, and, and abd is a is you know one who who serves a thing who is beholden to to that thing, so when we kind of have a physical relationship of intimacy with a spouse, it and we're you know making the intention that this is you know, both a an expression of the gratitude of having the spouse is an expression for the the gratitude of. The, the sense of connection, profound connection with another human being. So we can take those those emotions of of gratitude, you know, multifaceted emotions of gratitude, and then it becomes an expression of of a spirituality, of a deep, a deep sense of not just connectedness to this other person in this radically unique way, but then also connection to you know, the one who made the moment possible, the one who who made that, you know, the the one whose 
proximity makes other types of proximity able to be experienced. Indeed, it is one of the best, uh, most beautiful examples for me because it, it, it at first it, it makes you recoil like, like what's going on here? What, what, are, what are you even talking about? Because and especially when it comes to religion and sex, and you know, a lot of times people would say, okay, you know, you want to distinguish those, and you don't want to, you know, people can be uncomfortable. And so, so this is why I think this uh, this sense is uh, is so so absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it has to do with it's kind of not just natural way of being. Uh, uh, you are being uh, the, the the creature that you are. Um, yeah, and interestingly, yeah, yeah. It, that that ability to have sexual intimacy be an act of ibadah, it assumes that you have taken on all of the other responsibilities that the relationship entails. Right? Like, I can't go to a brothel if they have those for I don't know if they have like places where you go to to buy sex from men I guess they do they must like they, 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 they yeah. Must have, yeah yes so if I go there um you know that that can't be an expression of ibadah because I haven't fulfilled the the primary responsibilities of uh you know of, of a of a marriage that that shows that I am also in relationship to this person in other ways mm-hmm. of caring and loving Indeed, so so you have to have um, this, the, the, the rahma and the um, the care and the con- all, all those things. It's a complete package. It's not uh, just uh, sex equals ibadah. It's not mm-hmm. as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, indeed, yeah. it, it's the commitment, the intention, as you say, the care. Uh, the care is really really important here. Uh, um, would you say that? Um, just just curious. Uh, uh, because there are so many different words for love uh, in um, uh, in Islam in in the Quran, there are different words. They have uh, different significance. Um, I I feel that uh, one thing which is uh, for me really important is that uh, in our time the word love has become so. It means everything and nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's become devalued uh, although all we talk about we talk about love you know uh, so ads about love and um, and you know you talk about uh, god that's love uh, but you don't really mean it uh, mm-hmm. you talk about religion as lo- you know things like that uh, and it, you're not really taking it seriously you're not really going into depth it's, it seems to me very shallow especially in english because you use one word mm-hmm. whereas most other cultures would have a you know 10 50, 50 words for love, you know, to, to these nuances, breaths, overlappings, family relationships, uh, you know. If you can say something about that, like uh, how this kind of cluster of words for love, is there a hierarchy or are there like a family of, of terms mm. perhaps? Yes. Uh, the other word we didn't talk about yet in, in terms of its Arabic mm. meaning mm. is hub. Of course. Yeah. So... Yeah. This is an interesting word because hub is also like a grain. And I think this can maybe point us towards what, you know, I, I love etymology, right? But, so what, is, what does this, you know, what does a, a grain have to do with hub? And maybe it's that aspect of potentiality and, and growth. Like the seed has everything it needs to, to, to sprout. And then, you know, it starts to receive external stimuli to continue sprouting, but the the potential for you know life growth is is right there in in that hub, that that core. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so, you know, I don't. I think it's something I should meditate on a little bit more. But we have, and we, if we think about the human being, we're we are material substance. You know, we're, we're atoms and particles and and whatnot that come come together, and we have a sense of being uh, a you know phys- like this is not me here. You know, this is this is me, right? But if we go into the atomic subatomic level. Like wow, like I'm profoundly the the me is profoundly shifting around all of the time. That the thing I call me is is a is substances from all over the universe that have come together in this moment to make to make me. It's it's you know the the profound Buddhist teaching as well of of no stable self. But we would say in Islam that there is a there is a a principle. There is something about me that makes me. Uh, identifiable beyond my beyond the physicality of all of these particles that have come together to to make me and that's the you know that thing in that in that that seed is is sort of this this thing that profoundly connects me to Mm. to the love of god to the interconnectedness Mm. of 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 all of other sentient beings potentially Mm. Okay, yeah. that, that, that's that's amazing. so. It's a, it's a combination of uh, like uh, some kind of an essence and becoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so it's not like one thing very rigid, but rather in its change, in, in its growing, it it is still that identifiable thing. But it's constantly growing. It's constantly in movement, be, mm-hmm. becoming something else. Uh, maybe, maybe yeah, that's maybe. <laughs> maybe I'll see. Yeah, but but I like this sense of the seed. Uh, of course, uh, so metaphorically connected to uh, love in so many different ways. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. taking care of the seed and uh, and the seed uh, comes yeah. from right. It's it's been it's been carefully developed. It's been designed in a way yes. to have this particular potency. Yes. It's yeah. you know. It's, the yeah. let's just say the flower the flower has had to bloom and has had to be pollinated and all yes. of these processes have had to yes. occur before you get this tiny seed absolutely and the seed itself is almost like a little womb without mm-hmm. the body it's almost mm-hmm. like this shell which which can protects that which is uh, uh, the life inside and then it uh, it, it grows uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Interestingly, the, I love uh, so I love the Arabic language, right? Yes, me too. and the 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 root that might be the root from which Hawet, the Eve, like the the primal mother, it also has both these. The root itself, Hawaya, if we look it up in a classical Arabic dictionary, it has both the sense of a place where all of these things come together, right? So this the womb is that place where things come together, but it also has that idea of a potentiality as as well, like the, the the potentiality that's produced when all of these things come together, and so I find that really really profound. That in the Arabic language, when we we just you know Adam and Hawa, you know, first human being, but that the just at, at a pure level, the linguistic significances even in in that name and Adam in in Arabic has a sense of being a type of of earth as well. So you have, you know, Adam and, and Hawa, you have the earth, the, like the physicality of our beings, and you have this place of bringing together and of potentiality 
So there, there's just so, so much depth to these concepts. Sometimes as, as Muslims, we're just taught at a very superficial level. We don't have the chance to sort of reflect on what is being said. So, yeah. Oh, I, I agree, especially when you start digging into into words like that, the etymologies and how they connect. Uh, we, uh, we have seen that I mean, most of these words for love have been connected to very physical things, uh, metaphorical, you know, that, that they are... Uh, which uh, are all about um, care and and growth and but the potentiality that you mentioned for me is really important because it's the there it is that that sense of love as choice or love as uh, 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 kind of radical f freedom. Mm -hmm. uh, so so there is the dependency of course, but there is that freedom uh, in it. You can't make someone love you. It's mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a. Uh, uh, let's do one. Off. Let's do one more word. Oh, let's do. The listeners, yeah. Please, Hamza, the root in in Arabic, Quran is one of those. So a recitation, but Qara'a, the root, also has to do with becoming pregnant and some processes of yes in the Arabic language. Wow. And so I have a play in one of my essays where I say the, the Quran is pregnant with meaning oh, wow. because, right, and this, this helps me to understand when, when we say that Allah has given the, the, the Quran, right, we're talking about this linguistic recitation, the, this, you know, we, we, let's just call it the speech of, speech of Allah that has been preserved for human beings in, in a Muslim understanding. But it's it's also it's it's pregnant, right? It's pregnant with meaning. It's pregnant with that potential. It it heals. It relaxes the the physical body. It gives people goosebumps. It produces tears from the eyes, right? It it does all these things because it is it is more than just the external um, appearance of it. So if you think of pregnancy and you think of a woman, you think okay, there's a baby bump, but when you really look inside the baby, like there's all of this mystery and wonder and, and uh, you know formation happening inside inside the, the the bump. So I think a lot of people look at the Quran and all they're really seeing is the the external. They're not able to to kind of penetrate in and see what what is you know what is inside this this um, you know outer layer. Would, would you say that I, I, I'm trying so hard not to geek out right now? This is beautiful uh, on so many levels. I, I didn't know of, uh, of uh, Qara as uh, uh, being pregnant. It's just uh, mind-blowing. Um, I'm thinking... Uh, uh, just ask you about this because uh, I, I agree with you that there is a sense of, uh, especially let's say you listen to the Quran and people who don't know Arabic, still you have the sense of fulfilling or that, that you uh, you get something that uh, you, you have a physical reaction to it. Uh, it's both aesthetic but also very deep. Uh, uh, and, um, um, and just kind of try and compare this to uh, I think uh, generally the kind of western notion of love uh, that has especially that which has come from the Greeks uh, the Greek mythology and the Greek uh, uh, of course the Platonic uh, tradition uh, 
there is this notion of um, love as being the desire for that which you don't have. So in a sense, human beings are always lacking something. There is a part missing, so they're never complete. And they're always looking for that which will complete them. Uh, and it could be in romantic terms like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. another uh, a partner uh, or, or, or something or something else. Uh, so when you, what you just said here, uh, I, it makes me wonder if uh, this kind of pregnancy, <laughs> this additional thing, is it uh, is it completing you in a, in that way that you know it adds something that you that's missing, or does it make you who are already complete bigger, so pregnant bigger uh, than than mm. what you already are, and that in that sense. You become ecstatic, like uh, you you grow bigger than than your own self. Mm, mm, that's really really interesting. So I'm thinking of of an idea that comes into Islamic expression of the insan kamil, like the the complete human being, is the one who has lived into the possibility that the human possibility to its utmost fullness. And so most of us are actually not expressing our full human potential. And the, uh, the, the idea, I think, is that with spiritual cultivation, both in maybe through ritual acts, but also through dispositions, through training the desires of, of the heart for the good and the beautiful, then you, you actualize that that potential to be this full and complete human being but then islam is also teaching the idea of this fitra nature this fundamental kind of basically pure beautiful nature that that is already already there and, and so this is why i can hang out with hindus and talk about for instance that that idea of you know realization it's realizing that you're already realized so accessing yes. that inner, that yes. inner <laughs> Yeah, the, so it's there, and it's it remains that the possibility remains there, but we have to actualize it to to realize it, and it's not it's not a cognitive realization because if it were, people could do it easily. Right? It, it, it's a it's a tadrib, like a um, training to training, to be yes. able to live out of that that potentiality, but it's. In some ways, it's there to begin with in an Islamic understanding of the human being, right? We don't have original sin. We're not we're not um, born with with that particular type of shortcoming or that hurdle that we must overcome. Um, so it's it's. Uh, I guess it, if if we're going to explain it, it's that constant state of turning. That we know, we know where we're going because we've been there before, but we've just got a little lost. But we, we know where the direction is. Yes. Uh, yeah, you, you could try. So, so it's it's almost like the uh, there is this originally uh, originary uh, proximity, the absolute proximity that that you mentioned in the beginning, and we are constantly kind of getting lost or moving away from that we're getting distant and we need to kind of turn back and and find our way back uh, to that so so this kind of lack that we are feeling it's really the search for that originally otherwise there would be no desire for uh, at least the way i understand it there would be no desire for that you wouldn't know what to desire mm-hmm. 
Exactly. And that's, there's verses in the Quran that are profoundly, they've been commented on in so many different ways, but the Quran does talk about this primal moment and all of these, these human souls are, are manifesting that, right. They have, they have witnessed this, this Lordship of, of, of God and Lord, by the way, right. In English, we, it, it's translated more as like master or something, but Lord, Rabb in, in Arabic and even in Hebrew has uh, connotations of sustaining, right? There's a, the Rabb is not just a, an overseer, but is a benevolent, you know, benevolent overseer. And so we, in, in the Islamic understanding, the, the essence of, of all people has experienced that. So, you know, that's part of what dignifies us as the, the, you know, the Quran talks about this basic dignity in, in human beings is that we, we have had all of us that experience of, of um, you know, proximity. And, and so it's both then we're kind of ejected into this material world after having pu- had pure proximity. So that explains a little bit in this existential way why we're always feeling, you know, we're always craving home, right? Home is not, it's not a place on the earth, right? It's it, for Muslims, right? It's, it's the proximity to the divine that is radically unmediated even by materiality. Mm. Oh, in, uh, indeed. Uh, and in fact, if you, if you listen to a lot of people who um, do meditation, for instance, and uh, so on, there's always this like sense of, Finding that tapping into that uh, source and and feeling feeling connected, you know, going going back to that. Even you know, a lot of scientists who are not uh, necessarily religious or or people of faith, but the way they speak about certain things, you see that there are certain resonances that are uh, very quite common uh, to. Uh, oh yeah, to what and we're Buddhists will talk about. about yeah. yeah, Buddhists will talk about um, consciousness, pure consciousness or awareness, you know, what, what ultimately exists, it's awareness itself. And we would say Allah is al-khabir, like Allah is the aware or, you know, scientists look for truth and they're looking in the universe for, for truth. And we say, yes, truth is in the universe because the universe has been constructed by the ultimately the all true one, the, you know, the haq, the, so yeah, so people people look for manifestations of these things in the world, and for Muslims we do that too. And then we find it, and we say this is, you know, this is a, a way to something transcendent. Oh yes, and, and uh, I mean, I, I've, I I see that a lot of new kind of research into consciousness uh, is moving along those lines. Uh, uh, yeah. And trying to, to think of uh, consciousness as primary and uh, and the connect, it's uh, there's a lot of uh, interesting things going on that uh, to uh, to pick up on. Um, I <clears throat> um, I wanted to see. Um, I'm thinking. Um, uh, what is uh, I, I think we should mention uh, the love for the prophet. I was just wondering if you were going to say that. Yes, Yes. that's exactly where I was hoping we might go. Because we've never met him, you know, we, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, but 
you know, this love that that we feel for him is is so great, and we share it, and we know when we share it, uh, and we know that 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 we share it. We kind of love that we share that mm-hmm. kind of love. So I wonder if you can talk about that, the Habib. Yes, and, and the Prophet Muhammad yeah. وسلم, has this his own sayings. He he loves us because we love him without ever you know being physically in in his presence. Although you know when people visit. Medina, of of course, they're they're feeling some of that that proximity, and that's part of what makes that city right. So you know, Medina Munawara, like the illuminated, is because the 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 presence of of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is is there in in you know in a way that we can't fully kind of understand. So um, yeah, I think that this love of the Prophet. We can't. The, the Quran even talks about love of the Prophet. Like we, we can't fully, we can't fully become realized Muslims unless we do feel this love of, of for you know, love of love for, for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And that's you know, the the Prophet is the teacher, and the the, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the embodiment of you know all of the the teachings of, of the Quran, so that we understand what is possible of it of a human being and i think it's fun to talk to christians because of course they love jesus right this is like the the definition of 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 a christian a jesus you know jesus lover um and so i think i i've talked to to christians and some uh some people have even wrote beautifully about this that their understanding of muslims started to open when they realized oh muslims experience like you know some of these emotions that we experience for Jesus minus we don't we don't deify the prophet of course but that that those similar feelings of both like gratitude and admiration and you know we're we're, we're studying the life of the prophet sallam in its intricate detail and you know what what emerges is so beautiful like how can you not love this person who is so very wise and so very compassionate and funny and, you know, and charismatic and um, you know funny in that funny in the sense of you know that uh, can see irony in situations can you know ex- express um, oftentimes you know express uh, you know teach through through a lightness of being uh, so that's I think too the in order to love someone we have to know them right so it pushes us as well to find out you know who who is the prophet how did he live how did he interact with people what is his connection to to Allah and can we have a, you know something of that closeness that the prophet experiences you know where where he loves the prayer because that's the you know that's this time with the beloved. You know Allah is the beloved, and and so we have in Islam, right? We have that love for God. We also have that love for for the Prophet. And un, unlike maybe in Christians, where those those things are a little bit overlapped, they're they're still related because we love the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and that love helps us grow closer to to Allah. But we don't understand them to be beings that are synonymous with each other. Indeed, and in the, the Quran itself, he is called a um, Rahma of God. 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, to to human to all the world to yeah. all the world. So it is an expression of, um, or he is an expression of God's love to to humankind. Uh, yeah, and to all really to all worlds. I don't beings, forgive me. Yes. All beings and not not just yes. yeah to all beings. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, so it's kind of natural. I mean, when when we feel that, we feel it naturally. Uh, what I mean, when I'm thinking of, for instance, the hadith where uh, 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 Prophet, the Prophet uh, was says that uh, you know um, that uh, that he should be closer to us than that that we should love him more than you know. And our we love ourselves, parents, ourselves, mm-hmm. and so on. And uh, at first, is you could you know if you if you look at it superficially, you could think, okay, well that's Kind of, what kind of a demand is that? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Or you know, is this? Uh, uh, it seems like oh, okay. Well, we we should love you. I mean, from from a very kind of weird point of view, you could uh, say, well, this is someone who is kind of arrogant and he wants to be loved and so on. But then, when you realize what it actually means, that you do it instinctively, mm-hmm. it's it's not enforced. It's again that radical freedom of love, and you know? uh, it just comes to you as your second nature. Uh, uh, and you understand it kind of profoundly. You can't really force yourself going around. Okay, I'm going to uh, today. I'm going to love the prophet more than my mother. No, it, it doesn't work. It's not that. But when you have it, then you know that it's the uh, is the kind of natural uh, thing to do. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a process, right? And yes. and, and yes. that's that's the process of becoming Muslim as an, as the adjective. We can just say, yeah, we're Muslim. We can write it on a, you know, on a birth certificate or write it on a conversion piece of paper. But you know, the the heart that is Muslim is in that that state of of you know not having other things stand in the way of of expressing this this pure love, and the the pure love will be expressed kind of for Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and then for for you know the beloved. Prophet, because that's that's the nature, you know. That that's a natural disposition for, you know. We could we could love all the prophets as Muslims too. Oh, yes. I love, love yes. these Muslims wear the shirts. I love Jesus. Right? Yes, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, they, you know, they have perfected characters, and the, the profound love, the profound love that Muslims can have when they have a teacher, like a true a true teacher, someone who is is realized again. The heart the heart can't help but love because. You're you're seeing that the potentiality for human beings realized right in front of you, and the the generosity that flows from from a heart that is in that state, you you can't help but receive that and and be moved by it, be gladdened by it, be be made joyous by it. Mm-hmm. Do you think you could give us a couple of examples from um, the Sira from his biography? Uh, which uh, show this love and care uh, both uh, to friends, community, and and his spouses. I think it's uh, there are so many beautiful scenes. I think we we could we could take us all day to just kind of list them. I think and, you should uh, do an entire podcast on this just on because that. I cannot I even should. choose right? yeah. just one. It it doesn't feel yes. So that that Anand, that that is your task for okay. For then uh, then I'm uh, I'm booking a second meeting with you on uh, all this all this topic just on uh, the I think that it, it would be a worthwhile uh, topic as there, there are so many examples that are uh, uh, that just stand out and uh, and show uh, not uh, not some kind of a 
I, I, I suppose this is what you what you mean about his character is that when he approaches people, he he does that with kind of utmost care of their individuality and who they are as as individual kind of um, um, you know friends, uh, wives. They're all treated they're all treated equally but differently depending on uh, who they are, you know, and what suits them best. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can see that he adjusts quite a lot to people in his relationship. It's not like he goes around and he has this, you know, the prophetic face and that's like one single face that's very single. But rather he changes in these relationships and he's like, okay, this person I, I need to talk to maybe a little bit softer or I need to use these kind of, maybe I need to use irony or here I need, I need mm -hmm. to speak in this way. So it's just like, an amazing awareness of people who, uh, as uh, who they are, what they need, and uh, and tapping into that and behaving ac ac accordingly, which in no way diminishes, rather it expands his range. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that's that's uh, uh, just a, an amazing sort of thing. Yeah, yeah that I, and I love that it's narrated about him that when he spoke to a person, he would turn. Fully and and just that visual, yes. just you know, that, really yeah. seeing seeing that yes. person. Buddhists have the yeah. expression of like the teacher has to have skillful means, and, and so that's very similar to to how do you reach? Because he's he's reaching, he's shaping hearts, he's shaping you know desires, he's encouraging people, and, and so to to have that understanding of what the person in front of you, what will what piece of spoken advice, what physical disposition is going to help that person, you know, at this, this level of their, their heart, their, their metaphorical heart, their character, their, their innermost desires. And in order to be able to be present to people in that way, there has to be a, a radical understanding of the whole range of emotional states that the human being experiences and and so the the the, the Prophet Muhammad is um, an an example for us of you know how to be so many different things to to different people, and part of the wisdom that Muslims will say about why he was both a leader, a head of state, and you know a a, a you know family person with a huge family, and you know all of these different roles is so that we can look and see his example وسلم, in all of these different situations and we we've you know, he did have a long life وسلم, and so so much of that life has been documented and passed down and so we have it's just it blows my mind as someone who came to islam how much is known and related about the prophet وسلم. So it's it's just yeah. so so rich, and and it has to do. I, I keep coming back to that which you started with, and that's proximity, mm -hmm. and the intimacy, uh, because that is what uh, uh, ultimately shows the sense of love. Uh, in in this definition that I understand is central uh, in, in Islam, and that is like if we know that his house was next to the mosque, his ha his home was open, he was constantly open. Of course, there are these um, moments where there are regulations like don't just walk into my house, uh, which means actually that people did walk into his house. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Unannounced, yeah. It's just like without knocking, they, they would just walk in, and, uh, right? Uh, mm-hmm. that they, they felt like, okay, well, I, I can just... So there are these restrictions, like don't bother the prophet, all, I mean, don't just go in and wake him up, or he might be, you know... Mm-hmm. Being with his wife, or uh, mm-hmm. it's just inappropriate. Uh, mm-hmm. But even the, the, the sense that uh, he's always open, he's never speaking ex cathedra. He's never speaking from the above, uh, from the pulpit. I cannot imagine him doing it that 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 mm-hmm. way. That is always uh, available, uh, and and I think that sort of intimacy is uh, has defined him as a, as a character uh, to, to an extent. He, it's a kind of radical form of openness. And that's why we know so much about him. That's why we know things, menial things, things like, you know, how he washed himself, you know, you know, so many details which are so intimate, which I don't think either you and I, however open we are, would not want to share with people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, SubhanAllah. And, and the right? fact that we still, we still visit the Prophet, sallallahu alayhi yes. wa like we, you know, we we still have that, and the the feeling, you know, Allah has blessed the Muslims by having Mecca and Medina that have two different feels to them, right? And people talk about about those those different experiences, and and Medina, you know, feeling that the mercy that the the you know the city it's it's both a you know it purifies the heart just to be in the city of Medina because you know th- this is a place where where the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam you know his 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 presence is most strongly felt in you know in in a physical sense. Uh, absolutely, it's just a kind of a radical kind of uh, um, accessibility. Because mm-hmm. when I think of my children, for instance, my wife and so on, how are we how we express love? Well, we are available to them. We are accessible. We are there for them uh, physically, and mentally, and so on. We, we are there for to, when they need uh, need us. Uh, and we, if we are not, then it's like, uh, but m- m- a lot of times, or mostly, I'm not <laughs> available. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can see, if if nothing, when you try and think, okay, well, how was he an example? Uh, I just compare it to yourself, and you say, okay, oh, I'm a loving father, yeah, but mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but in comparison, nothing. Yeah, you're really, really nothing. So it's almost for me when I when I uh, think of it, uh, I'm thinking uh, in terms of that. Um, I think it's also hadith where God says that he gave one rahma to a mother and he has like a hundred rahma <laughs> uh, or something like that. It's like a, a one hundredth of his rahma is in the mother. Uh, when I consider the Prophet, uh, I'm thinking, okay, well, he has so much more of that mm-hmm. uh, than uh, I have naturally as a, as a parent even. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's that aspirational quality to to the relationship as well which is you know and as as human beings we want to find someone we can admire and someone we can trust and you know the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is i mean the trustworthy one even before revelation begin you know before he officially has this the station of of messenger to humanity like officially teacher his disposition is one of, of an, a human being that other human beings look to for, for guidance and for reconciliation and, and for and love. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It's almost that this is why uh, some of those early adversaries mm-hmm. appear so hateful and fierce because they, they themselves seem to 
have to actively work so hard not to love him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Because he's just, he, they know him as lovable. They love him. They, they know he's speaking the truth. And then they have actively to, to, to you know, invest so much. And that's why you know, the hatred, to, to divorce themselves from him, from that kind of source, uh, source of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really unnatural. It's really, you know, and it's tearing them apart. Uh, mm-hmm. You can see this, you know. Uh, mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And then thank you. This has been so yeah. rich. And yeah, there's thank you so much. so much ground uh, you didn't cover. So that's good. It allows you many, many future yes. episodes, inshallah, God willing. Inshallah, uh, I think uh, there's, uh, this, this has been really wonderful for me and I'm looking forward to releasing these uh, episodes, yours and, uh, and another one and uh, perhaps more during Ramadan, this coming Ramadan. Uh, and uh, uh, Celine, this was uh, absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for being on Love and Its Discontents. Bless you. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.